Good morning. My name is Brian Hoover. I'll be the scripture reader today. We're going to be in James chapter 4. If you're using the Bibles in the pew, that's on page 952. We're going to be looking at James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This is God's word. Well, good morning, church. Here we are, 2022. My name is Michael Aiken, and uh, one of your pastor elders and I'll be your servant here this morning, delivering the word, and let's open in prayer. We're going to get into God's word then. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful that as we pause and look back at 2021, and now here at 2022, we we confess that you are our only comfort in life and in death. Because we belong to you, Lord, both body and soul. Because you, Lord Jesus, are our faithful Savior. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have died for every one of our sins and that you are now from the point that we have become a believer till the time you take us to glory, that not a hair can fall from our head that's not the will of you, Lord Thank you, Lord, for being our guide. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of your word. And uh, we ask you, Lord, as we open your word this morning, as we look to a new year, we, we want to just obey you and follow you wholly with all our heart. And we thank you for your grace that will enable us to do that. And I pray that you would, Lord, be our teacher and that you alone now would be glorified. Uh, as the word is taught and preached. In Jesus' name, we thank you and pray these prayers. Amen. So as we start this new year, as you know, we're going to look at uh, James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. And I've entitled this message, God's Sovereignty and Your Future. It is a standalone sermon, and yet I will show you that it connects with the new series that's going to come out next Sunday. We're going to start the Ten Commandments. And so I'm going to show you there is a connection. So as you look at this year of 2022, I wonder what you already have planned. Are you planning on a vacation? Are you planning to start a new job or to do a career change? Are you planning possibly to further your education for a career goal that you might have in mind. So you're making plans. Are you planning to buy a house, possibly? 
or maybe uh, for some of us, uh, you know, we always get inspired around this time of the year to exercise. You know, I'm gonna, I plan to exercise more faithfully. And maybe I'll compete in a sporting event. Maybe it's going to be a, a half marathon or a marathon. And I, and I can tell you, I am planning to never do a half marathon <laughs> or a marathon. And it is not happening. Maybe you're planning to ask someone out on a date or to get engaged or to get married or just to improve the relationships in your life now. You know, make plans for that. Are you planning that? Or maybe you want your family to grow. You're making plans. Well, I'll tell you, the good news for us here, God is not unclear about how to do this. And as we look at James chapter 4, verses 3 through 17, it addresses this matter of planning as it pertains to God's will. And so basically, there's two basic things. If you want to look at the roadmap for this message here this morning, the first thing that we're going to look at is the wrong way to plan. Secondly, we're going to look at the right way to plan. And so what I want to do this morning is encourage you and I as we make these plans, to do this in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. And I'm pleading with us to do our planning in in a way that pleases the Lord so that we don't face tragedy in our walk with the Lord. And so I'm really pleading for you to, to listen up carefully here. First, let's look at the wrong way to plan. And this is found in verses 13 and 14. The wrong way to plan is to disregard God's will. James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, starts out this section like a prophet of the Old Testament. He's seeking to get the attention of his listeners, or his readers in this case, and he starts out with these words, come now. And this is a way, as I said, of getting attention. It's like Isaiah did in Isaiah 118, a verse that many of us may know. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. I love how the NIV says this. It says, listen up. So James 4.13 in the NIV is now Now listen, I'm sorry, it's not listen up, but it's now listen. And God wants us to listen up, doesn't he? And this is God's message for you and I today. I mean, though this was written 2,000 years ago, this is for you and I. God's word is living and it's for us. So really, basically, I mean, God is just saying, take out your phone and turn it off or turn off the TV, or turn off the radio, and listen to me. To plan the wrong way, God says here through James, is to disregard God's sovereign will. It is to presume that we call the shots, and God doesn't. And in verse 13, we see what the planners say. This could be us. 
saying the same thing. Today or tomorrow, we will, I'm going to emphasize here, we will go into such and such a town. We're going to spend a year there. We're going to trade and we're going to make a profit. And you may have questions like I do when you come to a text like this. I mean, is it wrong to plan? What's, you know, what's going on here? What's, why is James rebuking this? Is it wrong to make money? Well, obviously not. As you look to the Bible, it's not wrong to make money. Definitely convinced as you look to Scripture, it's not a sin to do so. It's not ungodly for us to plan, even to plan to make money. So what's, what's wrong here? As we continue to read this passage, we see that this particular planning that James is rebuking is a planning that disregards God and his will in the matter, specifically God's sovereign will. So God is not involved in their planning here. They're making very specific plans. Notice as the text says here, they're going to go to such and such a town. And there's an amount of time, it's a year, and a specific outcome. Make a profit. They are overly confident in self and not God. And they've done this planning without acknowledging God's sovereign control over all matters of life. Not some, all. They are boasting and displaying arrogance. As you look at verse 16, it's very clear. This is an arrogance. Their disregard for God's sovereign will is seen in their wrong beliefs, which James addresses in verse 14. What is their wrong beliefs? Look at verse 14. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. James' statements and question all reveal a faulty view of life, an unbiblical view. You might say, why does that even matter what you believe? Well, it matters because it's going to affect the way we live. But what James wants them to know is when you and I adopt this attitude, we have forgotten that the future is uncertain. Listen to this. The future is uncertain even for the believer. We, we might not want to hear this, we are ignorant when it comes to the future, what will happen in the future. We're agnostic, we're unknowing about the particulars of the future for the things that we have planned. So I love Proverbs 27.1. I believe James has this mind here in Proverbs 27.1. It says this, do not boast about tomorrow. To to boast, I'm going to stop right here. To boast is to speak loudly. Do not speak loudly about tomorrow. Don't boast about that. For you do not know what a day may bring. To say for certain that we will live in 2022 is an arrogant boast. It is to speak as if you and I are God. And we're not. Only the Lord knows. If we will live the rest of this year, we may not. This should humble us and cause us to pause 
as we make our plans. That's what I want us to do here today. I want us to pause before we make our plans. The other aspect of their wrong beliefs is to not acknowledge how short life is. That's what James is bringing up with the illustration of the vapor or the mist. And it reminds us that we are frail. We may be in good health today, but find ourselves failing quickly in our health. This year, I'm reminded I made this statement. I have not had a knee injury in all my 60 years. I may not have said it exactly that way, but I, and I wonder, was I boasting when I said that? I said, I haven't had a knee injury. And so what happens? We go hiking up Ricketts Glen this year. Love Ricketts Glen. Neat place. If you've never been there, I recommend it. Great. But I didn't know I injured myself till the next day. And ever since then, it's, I kind of have a bum knee now. So I can't say I've never had a knee injury. And so the point is, we're frail. We're not as durable as we think we are. And James then describes life here as a mist. And so think of that cup of coffee or that hot chocolate or that tea. And you look at that and you see that steam coming off of it. James is telling us that's our lives. They're short. And we're going to see later here. They're uncertain, aren't they? It's like usually, I don't know about this morning if I could see my breath, but usually on a January day or February day or December day in 20, no, you know, here we are 2022, we usually see our breath. It's, that's what life is. It's that breath. It's that short. Other images that God gives us to just remind us the, of the shortness of life or life is a shadow. Life is a wind. These are found in Psalm, Psalm 102, verse 11, Job 7, 7. Life is a wind. Life is a cloud, Job chapter 7, verse 9. Psalm 103, 15 talks about life being a grass or a flower. It's beautiful. We see it for a period of time and then it's gone. It's short compared to eternity. I know, we, we've lived whatever amount of years, and we might think, boy, life is long. Life is short compared to eternity, and life is uncertain. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Joseph and his coat of many colors. And Joseph had, you know, 11 brothers, but 10 of them really did not like him. They were older than him, and here Joseph has these dreams. Here's this 17-year-old I don't want to say he was a punk, but he was a 17-year-old that told his brothers some of his dreams. And even dad didn't like what he was saying, but these are what dreams he had. And then dad really loved him and gives him this coat of many colors, and his brothers just envy him and hate him. And I'm sure the plans that Joseph had for his life was to live in that promised land and to maybe marry a girl from that promised land and to just work the family farm on that promised land. 
But what his brothers did because of their hatred and their envy, they end up selling him into slavery. He goes to Egypt and he spends the rest of his life in Egypt. But if you know the story, the true story found in God's word, the end of Genesis, God used that. But his life was not to be that way according to his plans. So life is uncertain. Events we didn't expect to happen, happen. What we've planned doesn't happen. And so what we need to do, we see the wrong way to plan, verses 13 and 14. We need to have the proper planning. And we see that the right way to plan is found. It's, by found, it's found in verse 15, and it's found by acknowledging God's sovereign will. Listen to what the verse says in verse 15 here. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. This verse makes it clear that planning is not wrong, but planning that excludes God is what is sinful. God's sovereign will, which includes all events, every happening in our world, is what is in view here with God's sovereign will. God's sovereign will, remember this, it is a secret. We don't know what the future is. It means that God is in control of all things that happen, both the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, you name it all. God is in control of all those things. There is another will of God in Scripture that Scripture teaches, and it's what we would call the revealed will of God. It's what we find in Scripture. It's the clear commands of God in Scripture, like the Ten Commandments. I love one of my favorite verses is Deuteronomy 29, 29. And it shows us both aspects of God's will here. Listen to this verse. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. That we may do all the words of this law. That's why God reveals it to us. He has things that he wants us to do. And the things that are a secret, we're not to try to pry into. So I believe the will of God that we have here in verse 15 is God's sovereign will as opposed to his revealed will. And since it is a secret, that that is God's sovereign will, and includes all things that happens, like will it snow tomorrow? Will it be sunny? Will it be 60 degrees tomorrow that I could play tennis? No, I don't think so. I'd love that. So we don't know. So we must, as believers, submit our, all our plans to God. We don't know the future unless God reveals it. And he has chosen not to reveal the future to us for good reason. The merchant planning in verse 13 presumed that he was going to live in a certain city for a year and make money. But he needed to realize and like we need to recognize that God is the boss. We're not the boss. <clears throat> All things that happen 
have to go through his desk, so to speak, because he is the governor of the universe. They happen and are controlled by him and decided by God. And when we acknowledge the Lord in all our future plans, we are being humble. This only happens by God's grace. We need his kindness. We need his enabling grace to be able to do as Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I love this verse. This is a good one to memorize. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall make your paths smooth. I I can't help... But thinking of the old King James, how it said, and he shall direct your paths. Humble planning acknowledges the Lord, whereas arrogant planning has no regard for the Lord. God wants us to plan things. I don't want you to hear me saying God doesn't want us to plan. No, God wants us to do that. Our church has many things planned, many things. Four of those were in the bulletin last week, and there's, many of them are still there except one. But if you look at the upcoming events in the bulletin, the ladies' Bible study, it's starting on two different nights, January the 6th and January the 12th. And then the Community Book Club, they're meeting on January the 15th at 10.30 in the morning. Then... Later that day, there's a welcome dinner that's planned, location to be determined, but it's at January the same day at 5.30 p.m. And the best of the worst men's dinner on January the 22nd. By the way, it could be the worst of the worst. You'll have to decide whether it is. Come, right, you men, find out. These events may not happen because of what? It may snow. Who knows what the unforeseen hindrance could be. But in 2021, what did we see? Big events were, give you an example here, weddings sometimes were postponed because either the bride or the groom got a certain virus. And so it was postponed by providential hindrance. Our church is making plans. We are planning to plan another church. And there's a lot of planning going into this, this new church plant that will, Lord willing, be in Harrisburg. And we will, as a church, plan, pray, and give for that to happen in the next three to five years. Lord willing. For us to properly acknowledge the Lord's sovereign will, it is critical that we see both arrogant planning for what it is. So if you look at verse 16, really should, I really like the word but there. It's not there in the ESV, but as it is, I think it's the uh, Christian Standard Bible that actually has it that way. And it's, it would be very proper in the translation to have that. James is making a contrast here. And it's really critical For us to properly acknowledge the Lord, we have to see our sin for what it is. Our boastful, arrogant planning is evil. It is like a malignant tumor. The Latin translation for the word evil, 
found in verse 16 is the, is the Latin word maligna. We get our word malignant from this. This malignancy that we have of arrogantly planning and being overly confident is to be repented of. So verse 16 is the opposite of the proper way to plan in verse 15. But don't you and I often, we don't think of our sin as evil. You know, that's just the rapist and the child molester and you can name that big sin. That's, that's not our arrogant boasting. No, it's evil. God calls it evil. As James says here, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. I believe the spirit of our age, <clears throat> which is the cultural message of our time, and it's, it's to focus on ourselves, and it encourages evil, arrogant boasting. And it is reflected very well in this poem entitled Invictus. The author lived in the United Kingdom in the 1800s. He, his name was William Ernest Henley. He lived from 1849 to 1903. Ernest, or excuse me, William Ernest Henley wrote this poem Invictus in 1875. And we're going to be putting it up on the screen here. And I want you, I'm going to read this poem and I'm going to make just some brief comments here. But I want you to know this a little bit about, uh, I keep wanting to call him Ernest. Uh, William Ernest Henley, he had a very difficult childhood and actually throughout his life in and out of the hospital. And he had, because of tuberculosis at a young age, he had uh, one of his legs was amputated from the knee down. They were going to amputate his other leg and uh, almost did it, but they did not. There was a doctor who became famous because he was able to uh, see that not happen. But let's look at the poem now. It's called Invictus. Invictus is a Latin word that means unconquerable or undefeatable. Might sound like a lot of our coaches for... Uh, for football and so forth. They think they're unconquerable and undefeatable. So listen to this. <clears throat> Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody, but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, I think he has scripture in mind here, by the way, how charged with punishments the scroll. I also wonder if scripture is in view here. These next two lines are what should chill us. I am the master of my fate. 
I am the captain of my soul. What's he saying? I'm unconquerable. I'm undefeatable. He starts out with, out of the night that covers me. That's, his life is dark. There's a lot of hardness in his life, difficulty. Black as a pit from pole to pole. And my soul is unconquerable, he says. He's a very, he doesn't acknowledge one God. He's very polytheistic. And notice he doesn't wince or cry in stanza two. Well, that's, you, don't, you don't have to bring it up again. He says, I didn't wince or cry aloud. And my, I'm bloody, but I'm unbowed. I'm not bowing. I'm unconquerable. Now, I think we can redeem this. It's only redeemed through Jesus Christ. You and I can say we're undefeatable and unconquerable only in Christ. Not in and of ourselves, we are not. In Christ alone, we are unconquerable. And I believe this really reflects the culture of the spirit, not only of this age, but I believe every age fallen since Adam and Eve fell in sin. We are expressive individuals as has become popular with some to say it that way, which means, what's that mean? To be an expressive individual? We're number one. Life is all about us. You know, grab for all the gusto you can. One of the old ads about beer on the, the TV, you know. Uh, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. You should, you know, just live it up. Now, whether we eat, whether we drink, or whatever we do, it's not that we don't eat, drink. It's not that we can't have merriment and fun, but do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. The whole purpose of our life is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I like how verse 17 concludes for us, though. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. What is the right thing to do? And the Bible says here, James is telling us, we know it. I believe it's the revealed will of God that we do know. It's all that God has revealed in Scripture. It's all the commandments, specifically the Ten Commandments. But in this particular context, the right thing to do would be to plan without boasting, to plan humbly, to commit our plans to the Lord. I don't believe we need to say the Lord wills every time. I can show you in Scripture where people spoke under inspiration. Good, the apostle did that at different times. And they didn't always say, if the Lord wills. But it is a good thing to say. And I would say this, it needs to be our heart attitude. We need to have this. I'm praying for us, myself and you to have this deep in our system, in our nervous system, in our core of our being. God's sovereignty in your future. Make plans for 2022. That's what I'm saying. But let's remember, we must commit those plans to the Lord who is in control of every aspect of our life. Because there is not one rebel Adam in this world. God has it all in control. So I close with two quotes from the Old Testament to summarize this message. Proverbs 16, verses 3, 4, and 9. Listen to these verses. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, 
but the Lord weighs the Spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So let's plan the right way in 2022 by God's grace and for his glory. So let's pray. Lord, we, we come to you as your humble children. We are thankful for each day that you give us. We don't want to take it for granted. Our prayer is that we would be able to redeem the time that you give us. Help us, Lord. Keep us, Lord, from the sin of arrogance, the sin of overly being confident, focusing on ourselves. Keep us from that sin, Lord. Help us, Lord, to look to you first and foremost because you are the one we are following. You are the God who made us. And Lord, we thank you that you have given us all things to enjoy. Help us, Lord, in this year of 2022 to make the plans that we make, to make them humbly before you. And we thank you for your blessing, and we thank you for allowing those plans to happen as they are in accordance with your revealed will as well as your sovereign will. We thank you for that. We commit that to you. I pray your blessing on your people here today, and I pray that your word would not return void, that it would accomplish your purposes in their lives today. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.